Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big Picture Podcast, the only podcast in the world that talks about movies, TV shows and video games. I'd like to just remind you all that you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at underscore the big picture, alongside listening to us on all the major podcast services and on YouTube. Just search for the big picture and you'll find us. It's just that easy. Now that the housekeeping is out of the way, let's meet our marvellous panel. (laughs) Our first panellist loves capitalism so much that it's one day his dream to make an expensive suit of armour to go around and beat up people from all over the world before returning to his mansion and lecturing people on how they should behave in public. Everybody welcome Reese. Reese, you want to talk about superheroes? If there's one thing I hate more than superheroes, it's capitalism so thanks for that intro iron man's lawyer there with a prepared statement uh, our <laughs> next guest despite living on a quiet island for much of his youth has entered society as a violent and anger fueled rage monster you won't like him when he's angry so you probably won't like him for the whole episode it's lewis how are we doing today especially seeing how you are the people's champion for the last episode for once in my life i'm not angry over all my issues that was a good episode last time. I th- like I said, I kind of preached to the fans. They were going to be the voice of reason, and I was right twice. If you want to win, guys, pander. That's all you have to do. That's your superpower for today. Next up is a man whose lifelong dream is to be used as a propaganda icon and the poster child for good behaviour. I'm not sure about America's ass, but can he settle for Ayrshire's ass? It's Jack. How are you? Uh, uh, pretty good ass. That's true. That's not bad. I, I, I guess by... I'm doing all right, Stuart. How, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm excited for today's topic. Thanks for asking. Yeah. I swear Jack's lifelong dream is just to win an episode. Will today be that Make-A-Wish Foundation episode for Jack? Who knows? <laughs> if I won, would that that'd be like three out of like 20? I don't know. Zero out of 20. I don't know. We'll have to look at the records. I can fudge the records. It's all right. <laughs> there you go. Everything you read's a lie. Jack winning his 20th episode today here we go (laughs) last but certainly not least it's a man who I would not be surprised trying to save the world with a dance off and I'm sure he's got several awesome playlists at his disposal, just don't look at his Twitter it's all about religion, our very own Star Lord Adam, are you excited to be here? (laughs) Yeah, very excited, very excited (laughs) Good stuff today's topic of course is Marvel's WandaVision the hit television show that is the first streaming show for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What's the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I hear you ask? Well, it's only the highest grossing film franchise of all time, with a release of 23 films over the past 10 years, and now they're done with the big screen, they're trying to conquer your living room. With WandaVision, a quirky TV show about two superheroes, Wanda Maximoff and Vision, who are living their sitcom suburban life, But as things go on and they begin to enter new decades, the couple begin to suspect that things are not as they seem. To start us off, I'd like to quickly go around the panel in a couple of sentences, uh, give us your quick thoughts and also what your favourite sitcom era was on the show. So we'll go to Jack first. Jack is an avid watcher of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or MCU, as you diehard fans call it. What did you think of WandaVision? I absolutely loved it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic viewing I thought that I, I was never bored. There was never a part that I didn't like. I, I enjoyed everything that happened. I liked that it constantly kept me guessing about what was what could come next. I liked that it always, whatever I maybe thought was going to happen, it always seemed to like prove me wrong or take another direction. So I was always kind of kept on my toes for what, for what it was going to be. And I, I, 
I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think my favourite, my my favourite decade, it, it, it would have been the decade of the now if they actually did the office episode properly, but it didn't. Maybe that's the one drawback of the series. But I, I did quite like the seventies decade. There we go, Jack, a seventies child at heart. Good, some good words from uh, Jack. Let's go to Adam next. So Adam here is not only a keen MCU fan, but he is a big Marvel Comics reader. So Adam, what were your thoughts on the show? Uh, I I did, I really enjoyed it. Maybe not as much as Jack. You know, I had some, uh, maybe didn't enjoy the first two episodes as much. Uh, I think that's maybe from being a comic reader. I think when you know of certain storylines, I'm sure we'll go into later about um, the Scarlet Witch and Wonder Maxwell. And you, you kind of know, you get an idea what might, what will probably be going on. But what I will say is that for that, they kept it original and they did a few things you didn't expect, even as someone who's read the comics. They, they, I think the MCU is always good for that. My favourite era, I, you know, as much as Jack uh, bashed it, I enjoyed the kind of 2000s, you know, uh, the 2010s era with the, with the kind of office intro and then um, the modern family theme they had going on. Just uh, kicking Jack's likes and arguments all to the ground already. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. I did, I did enjoy it. Like you know, what I mean, it, it was it, it was good. But yeah, I think see, I, I just if it was just more like the Office, I think it could have been a bit better. If you're listening, Kevin Feige, season two, the Office. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we went. I'd seen a lot of people say complain about the first two episodes being a bit slow. What did you think, Lewis? You you have prior experience with the MCU, but you're more of a self-proclaimed DC fan. What did you think of Marvel's big streaming show? I was like a backhanded insult there. Um, I can see why people would say that like the first couple of episodes were slow, but I think that's more to do with the fact that we're used to this sort of instant gratification era and not more long-term storytelling. Um, I was a bit worried about how the MCU deal with magic. I do prefer how the DCU do it, but you know that's topic for another day. But I actually enjoyed the show, even as a quote-unquote self-proclaimed DC fan. There wasn't a huge that I could fault it for. It was a good show. I particularly enjoyed actually the kind of bewitched setting, like the kind of 60s slash 70s era. I think it really suited the motif they were going for with their particular, um, I don't know, message they're trying to send. And that's probably what I, I kind of took from that short term. I honestly didn't mean that as an insult because, uh, you know, I'm a big pre-Marvel. I was a big DC fan. If only DC could get a show like this or a universe like this. Um, what was your favourite sitcom era? Do you have one at all or? Yeah, as I mentioned, it was the Bewitched era, the, the 60s, you know, where the black and white motif. Uh, kinda, I wasn't of... listening. I'm a terrible ah, host. I'll, I'll, doesn't listen. I'll edit all of this and the audience won't realise. I'm the real Agatha all along. Um, <laughs> uh, good stuff. Thanks for that, Lewis. Uh, lastly, Reese, you're not a huge fan of the superhero genre. Uh, so what were your thoughts on having to watch yet another superhero story for this podcast? And unlike Lewis, could you tell me what your favourite era was? Um, yeah, like I said, probably not the biggest superhero fan here, but only because I didn't grow up watching it, um, not because of any other reason, and I, I have been enjoying watching these, but what I would say is, when I had to watch Mandalorian, I was kind of dreading that, and I was kind of dreading this as well, I'm like, oh great, another one again, but I genuinely think that this is the best new series I've watched in a long, long time, it was so good, I was very entertained, like Jack said, there wasn't a minute where I thought, oh, God, this is a bit boring. I was always kept on my toes, always guessing what was going to happen next, always getting it wrong. So I loved it. And I would say that my favourite era, as I really appreciated the homages to Malcolm in the Middle. I thought that was brilliant. 
because I grew up watching Malcolm Middle and I thought I loved that. But my favourite was, like Lewis, it was the 50s for me, the Dick Van Dyke era. I thought that the way they handled that was brilliant. I thought it was really funny, really clever to see something like that. You don't really see anything like that anymore in TV, so I thought it was, uh, that, was, that was really good. So overall, positive uh, messages from everybody. We all kind of like the show. So for the pitches later on, it's going to be very tough to try and improve that. So our pitches are going to be a prediction of season two. But before we get to all that, as we've talked a little bit about, the main tone and premise for the show was obviously using sitcoms as both a genre and a plot device. Uh, we'll go to Lewis first. How did you feel about watching this? And did the show handle it well? Yeah, like it's it's hard to be unique now with so much being done in television and for me, I really enjoyed the sort of skipping through time, going back and forth, using these kind of older storytelling devices to kind of get across the message um, of kind of loss and dealing with that and the way that people go through it. I, my only caveat to though is I wish they did more of it. A lot of people were a bit disgruntled to kind of say the first two or three episodes are a bit slow because they don't kind of forward the plot too much. Where I was kind of like Reese, I actually enjoyed trying to figure out what was going on. I think one thing I should mention, I didn't watch this weekly episodically. I watched it in about two days. So I was able to kind of get that gratification going forward episode to episode where I think people were kind of a bit disgruntled they weren't getting that. But I like the motif. I wish they did more of it throughout the series rather than kind of giving up on it halfway. Well, not giving up on it, but kind of moving past it halfway. Um, it's definitely unique and something I'd like to see kind of go forward, a bit more uniqueness. As someone who did watch it weekly, Jack, do you think this um, sitcom premise lends itself better to that weekly release, or do you think it's better to just binge it completely from the get-go? I think it suited the the weekly release for what we were going for, like going like through the era. I think it was, if you watched it all at once, I think you would still enjoy it, but I think that maybe you wouldn't appreciate it as much as what it would have been of a of a weekly nature, like how I, how I did, because I was like from that point. When I watched it on the Friday when it came out, I was like, oh, God, I can't wait to watch this on the Friday. But having that there to watch it repeatedly, I don't know if I'd have the same kind of oomph to watch it, if that makes sense. I don't know. I feel there was just the the, the, the way they had it going through the different eras on that weekly basis made it a bit more gripping for me to be like, oh, I really want to watch this next week. Whereas if I had the ability just to go and watch the next episode straight away, I don't think I'd be as fussed on it. Just to add on to that, one thing that I, I was kind of with Respawn was I didn't, I felt kind of apathetic to watching the show. I wasn't super excited about it, but after watching it in two days in a row, I kind of wished I watched it weekly episodically because I feel like that would have enhanced my enjoyment of the show way more and kind of giving you that delay of gratification, you know, being able to try to figure out and, you know, care and invest yourself more into the show rather than just like binging it where you just kind of are a bit disconnected. I feel like you're both right here because I I was obviously like not that fussed about the show, but when I watched it, Jack said he, you might be a bit disengaged when you watch it all in bulk, but I, I really was like, couldn't take my eyes off the screen when I was watching it. It was brilliant. But I do actually wish now that I'd gone and watched it as soon as they came out because I could imagine how fun it would have been to theorise and look on Reddit and see other people's theories on what the next episode would be like who's going to come into the universe and stuff like that. I feel like that would have been more exciting to do as opposed to watching it uh, week by week. But uh, I still really enjoyed watching it week by week and I, I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. I'd probably come in 
uh, and just say like telling it just like it marches back a bit to um, we were talking about just the format that Lewis was saying I actually thought that in the, the way they were dropping a lot of hints it actually reminded me of when you get a you start reading a new comic um, and it's something like uh, like WandaVision and the closest example is the House of M which is about Scarlet Witch basically remodeling the universe as she wants to see it she creates kids for herself it's a really interesting storyline and you could definitely see there was a lot of inspiration uh, has been drawn from that for this and i thought in a very similar way in the first few issues of that you really don't know what's going on you, you get it and you're in this universe and you, you're you're constantly asking why and you it's up to you the reader in this case the viewer to kind of look and see the little hints are dropping as to what's happening and then it slowly unfolds as the next issue comes out and I thought that was um, something that did very well, really sort of uh, emulated the comics for me That's a really good point Adam, we'll, we'll stick with you for that because obviously a unique aspect of the show is its meta commentary and how it handles um, not only like comic book satire and sitcom satire but the external factors to the show such as Disney reacquiring the rights to the X-Men with that Quicksilver cameo. Was this a distracting part of the show? Did it take you out of it too much, or did it just fuel your hype? Yeah, I thought I thought I enjoyed it. I thought with the the fact that Marvel were really quiet in terms of like dropping hints as to how they're going to use the the X Men property, and I thought you know it's maybe it's maybe a bit cheap, and some would say. Um, but I thought that was that instance of bringing in Quicksilver, what was a good teaser for like the fans who who will really enjoy X Men, like myself, who are really looking forward to seeing what um Marvel's going to do uh, with the X Men property now. In terms of overall, yeah, yeah, you know, I did enjoy the satire, little hints, the kind of the things that maybe you didn't know the first time you you go back and watch them again. Um, I, I did overall, I felt like. It's 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 how it was, kind of reminds me of when we were here talking about uh, Mandalorian the first the season one, which you know overall, uh, how would you rate Mandalorian season one if you if you had to? Season one, gun to my head, that is a that is a two out of eight. Oh, a two, a two out of eight. Season two, season three, Star Wars films. Right, but yes, anyway, to get. Get back to that point. It reminds me of that when we were talking about it, and if you could understand a lot of the things as a fan of Star Wars, or did you need to have seen all the films? Did you need to have done any background reading? And I think in the way where it's the same thing with One Division, you know, maybe you wouldn't have got all the little hints to comic books to set comics over years if you hadn't read them. If you hadn't seen all the MCU films, you wouldn't have picked up uh, other hints they dropped. But then again, I just think that means you can come into it at different levels as a viewer and still enjoy it because, as we say, Reese really enjoyed it, and it was he wasn't. I'm assuming Reese that you didn't feel disappointed that you can that you missed out on any of these little references to maybe lesser known uh, Marvel properties. Well, I've I've watched loads of videos on WandaVision since since it's been finished, and a lot of them say, "Oh, you really need to to have watched all the Marvel movies before this to really understand what was going on," and I feel like. Maybe that's true to the the little Easter eggs in the background that Adam's talking about, but I feel like as a whole, it guides you through the story, the characters themselves not knowing what's going on, to it bringing you to the the finale where it, it teaches you the story as you go along, and I I went I went into this not knowing that Vision was a character. I thought it was called Wanda Vision because it was Wanda and it was like all these different TVs. So I, I, I had no idea what was going on at the start and I 
Adam, you're right. I, I, I'm not disappointed that I maybe didn't know the little things that go in the background. I feel like that was there for the big fans of Marvel, and I feel like they're doing a good job of kind of distancing themselves from the maybe the films, the Avengers films from before, where they can kind of start a new era of TV, which can bring in new fans that haven't seen all the stuff before and don't have the time to watch the 30 or 40 films before it. So, Adam, to answer your question, I still really enjoyed it and I didn't miss out on the wee Easter eggs. That's good. Uh, the, uh, there's, the fact that uh, the show bringing in new fans is obviously something that is very important because if they alienate all of those, then they've lost viewership. So it's good that they can counteract all, uh, the weight of the franchise because, like you said, there's, we're nearly... 25 films that's a lot of homework you have to do just to watch nine episodes or six episodes um but obviously the show is still very much a part of the mcu at large albeit very different as it's not only a tv show but a very different tv show to the norm uh, how does this compare to the rest of the cinematic universe for you jack um i don't i don't know if it's fair to compare it i think as as we said it's kind of it's branching into something different like if you told me that we were going to get one division as a as a movie i don't think as much interest would have been there to begin with compared to the the, the kind of tv series we're getting i'm liking that we're kind of going in that direction and it's allowing characters that maybe didn't have as much of a focal point in these avengers movies to kind of take the, the front stage for these like different mediums that we're going to get it in a tv series and then we're going to have movies that could potentially mean something more and wider that can affect the tv series that are going to be played as well i think it's i i think it's hard to compare but i'm i'm, I'm very much looking forward to what what can happen next to add to a little bit of what jack said there um, about not being able to compare them. I think it's very difficult because unlike when, again, it's, it's such an easy example, but I'm going to use it again. We can, we can talk about Mandalorian. It's, that's easy to compare with other Star Wars properties because the the episodes in that almost flow like a movie and you feel like you're watching a movie sometimes. Cause just because it's only an hour long, but then just I think with the flow of the action and the plot, you you generally, for me, it felt like it had the kind of, um, and it ends with a big set piece as well. That for me felt like a movie almost every time I sat down to watch it. Well, this is such a tv show it's even playing on the tv show formula and it's 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 so determined to be a tv show i think it, it stands on its own at the moment in the marvel cinematic universe as uh, the first tv show and i think that's why it's difficult to compare keeping with this kind of topic about the films and the shows uh jack posed an interesting question we were discussing what we would talk about in this episode so i'll kind of ask you all this question with uh, the mcu the content is now ramping up on the television show end We've uh, got Falcon the Winter Soldier premiering this week um, or last week when this airs. We've got Loki and Hawkeye, etc. Do you think this will make the films more special or do you think it's all just going to get bloated and just too much content? I just want to come in as the the non-Marvel fan here. I really enjoyed Endgame. And, you know, a lot of people did. Not as many people as Avatar, but, you know, whatever. Um, (laughs) But, um, I, I'm actually quite excited now. I feel like they'd gotten to a point by the end of Endgame where you'd kind of made all these like superstar heroes in the Marvel Universe and, you know, killed some of them off, some of them have decided to leave, whatever. And I feel like it's a good time to start again. So by having all these 
shows going with the characters that aren't maybe as big as maybe your Captain Americas and your Iron Mans, I think these shows will build up the hype. And the more that they cross over into each other's universes, the more that it'll be like, what's going to happen? Where's this going to go? So as a new Marvel fan, I'm excited to see what happens. So I think that the movies will be brilliant. I think that they'll they'll probably compete on the same level as the the Avengers movies. I think that uh, these much much of what we were saying earlier on, and much that kind of like Reese was saying as well, that the likes of WandaVision, Falcon the Winter Soldier, back way back when when these movies were coming out, you could not have pictured a Falcon movie, you could not have pictured a Winter Soldier movie, you could not have pictured a Wanda movie or a vision movie at that so they were kind of always kind of supplementary characters to help the narrative of the avengers plot to get to where it needs to be obviously we know that vision played kind of a, a a big focal point and that obviously had one of the infinity stones in his head essentially and that was the kind of one of the reasons why he was gone from that at the end but with it with the tv series it's allowing it's allowing these characters to get that focal point for the next iteration, this next phase four of MCU. I think it's four, and what we're going to go on to next. Because obviously, you could you could look at films that's happened before the MCU, like Ant Man. Not many of people would have known, aside from the comic book fans, who who Ant Man was. I didn't know who Ant Man was, and I was thinking, why are they doing an Ant Man? movie but they managed to get someone like Paul Rudd and you've got Paul Rudd leading the front of a movie like folk are going to be interested in wanting to go but you're now, now you've got this opportunity to have TV shows to get the story and point across and you know how big this is going to impact things now obviously we, we know what happens at the end of WandaVision at the after credits we know what that's going to impact next and that adds oh she's going to appear up at this bit it's going to be really cool we know, we know what's going to be happening with the the Ant-Man movie. So so many ways that these TV series are able to drive that narrative, that focal point to make these movies so much special and potentially what the previous phases of the MCU did. It's a really interesting topic because, like you said, a lot of these characters are supplementary. I mean, I don't think, you know, before going into WandaVision, anyone was going to go out and say, oh, Vision, Wanda, you know, they're my favourite MCU characters. But uh, with this show what those characters and those actors have been allowed to um, to show to the audience is really something, because one thing I've seen constant praise for is the acting from everyone, uh, particularly from the leads, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. So Lewis is someone who looks for something a bit more than generic action and super power antics. Uh, what did you think of the acting on One Division? I think Paul Bettany needs to get another role in Marvel after this, because holy shit. I thoroughly enjoyed his performance throughout the entire show. Um, I think, you know, Elizabeth Olsen, she does well. She's kind of... <laughs> we're, we're, all, either we're all clapping or we're getting some terrible interference on this call. <laughs> the show must go on, Lewis. Proceed. I think Elizabeth Olsen's maybe just a bit, st- not standard, but she definitely is up to par what she's done, but I don't think she's quite as excellent as Paul is, and I think Paul kind of outshines her in this uh, particular episode, but I was very impressed with Quicksilver's performance. I don't know why I found him very engaging and very quality in his role of being the kind of very comedic realist in it. I would uh, say that Evan Peters is a brilliant actor, and that's why he's so good, and he was like the perfect 
casting choices Quicksilver. Uh, and when um, they, Ben Fox cast him, I'm really glad he got to do this because I think he's excellent and he's and an underrated actor, I would say. All for a boner joke. Yeah. All, for, all for a boner joke. Unbelievable. I thought that I thought he was really good. Obviously, when this came in, everyone was like, "Oh fuck, this is it. X Men's going to come in. This is going to be the this is going to be the thing." And we actually just got done for a boner joke. But as I just to just to reiterate what Lewis said, Paul Bettany, give that man another knighthood. Not another knighthood, sir, sir Paul Bettany. Give him two. Give him back to that knighthoods. Give him the one that we so desperately deserve. Give him, give him everything. Give him the world. Paul Bettany, take a bow, son. Take a bow. Well, boy, guys, I feel like you're all messing up with the real star of the show. Catherine Han does an absolutely amazing job as the villain in this. And I think she, honestly, out of everyone, best, best acting performance in it. I really, really rated her performance so highly. And I am glad that they didn't kill her off because I really wanted to come back into the the next season or at some point in the timeline anyway, because I really, really highly rated her performance. I think she she deserves an Emmy off this performance. It was that good. Oh, yeah, by the way, spoiler alert, in case you haven't figured that out yet, audience. Everyone's been watching this show, all right? Apparently, this is the new Mandalorian. And do you know what? It's about time. Mandalorian, season one, two out of eight, season... Season two, four four point five out of eight, you know, that's that's nothing. One division uh, sixteen out of ten. <laughs> for, for the for the sixteen Marvel movies, you know. We all know them. Iron Man, Godfather Part Two, uh, <laughs> Zack Snyder, uh, uh, Avengers. Anyway, speaking of uh, the villain, we've got uh, saying about how wonderful uh, Catherine Han played the the villain in this and I, I don't think I could disagree she was fantastic um, but according to the showrunner of this the main villain is Grief which is um, a really good powerful theme to have in the show but I have a question is Wanda the villain because she does a lot of messed up stuff I mean does she get off let off the hook too easy Adam what do you think uh, I'm trying. I was just kind of looking for IMDb. I'm trying to find who played Grief. I don't remember that character. Hey, hey. Oh, right. Adam, Adam, well done. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's the way to interpret it. The way she walks away, and then she probably feels more guilty at the end about what's happened. Guilt's quite a common. Is actually a common theme of Scarlett's character. As you know, you think of Civil War, um, when she's responsible for the explosion in Lagos and then it's something that she obviously feels terrible about and she's part of the reason the Sokovia Accords are brought in she's literally, she was part of the reason that Sokovia was destroyed so guilt is a huge part of her character and it's as we, we know about it, it's, it's almost like her character trait is to affect large numbers of people in a negative way and then have to deal with it afterwards, I guess I guess that's the way of looking at it, you could say she's the villain Um I think I'd like to think that it's you know it is about t- talking about how grief can make you do strange things and sometimes you just you know you just need a bit of support and if you're not getting that then maybe that's what can drive people over the edge you know and if you need support out there audience don't forget to ask for it. Nice. I um, just want to pick up on that. I would say that definitely Wonder is the the villain, but more on that later. Yeah. Um. But I would say that the 
the show does a really good job. Uh, I'm someone that really appreciates themes in writing uh, and film, and the show does a really good job. Everyone's kind of focusing on the fact that it was kind of meta to do the different genres and the different uh, decades of TV throughout the, the years, but what the show actually does during that is displays the five symptoms of grief. Uh, and it, it does it in a really good way that you kind of don't really you're not focusing on that too much and it kind of hides away from the fact that that's where the show's taking you because of the meta TV decades commentary that it does so it, uh, the show portrays this in a really good way uh, and I think that that does a great job but Wanda's definitely the, the villain in this but I can't say too much in that just now Well don't leave us in suspenders Reese. I think with that, I think that with the discussion out of the way, I think it is now time to move on to the pitches. So let's hear what the guys have been cooking up. But just like how sitcoms have surprise cameos, so do we. Because, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the wheel is back. Oh, yeah! It's back. Now, some of you cynics might just say that, oh, Stuart, you're only bringing the wheel back so that people can't complain to you if they are last. And to that, I say, Jack, hurry up and bring the wheel up. There's too much spotlight on me. Hey, see why you're loading that up? I just want to say, I'm currently sat in my car at the beach, and I haven't realised, because I've not really been outside because, you know, lockdown and that, but I think hay fever season is starting again, because I genuinely had to mute my mic like three or four times just to sneeze. Uh, It's been going crazy. So, fun times, you know, but nice view. Probably Maybe you're just nice allergic to the beach. Well, I, I'm not a fan of the beach. Huh? I don't like sand. It gets everywhere. I'm not even on the beach, <laughs> and I know I'm going to have sand in my shoes later. Oh, There's too many Star Wars references in that Marvel way. That's Marvel episode my liking. Oh, that one went over my head, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much of a Star Wars fan Reese is. He makes uh, Star Wars uh, references even when he doesn't realise it. He even snores like Yoda. I do snore there. It's, it's a bit. I've I've woken myself up from snoring before. It's that loud. Well, here we go. The wheel is up, so let's take it away. And Jack, spin that wheel. Wheel of vision. Wheel. Wheel of vision. Wheel oh. of vision. Oh, oh. It's on. Reese. Yeah. Reese, take it away. Oh wait, I've not actually got my notes up yet. Guys, <laughs> be prepared for a roller coaster of emotions as I lay out to you my novella Stuart pitch because Stuart's not here to do it this week. Right, so prepare yourself because I think the layout of the episode is jumping from decade to decade and show to show is very meta. So I'm going to try and continue to be meta. Um, Maybe my demise, but what I'm going to do is is for the first half of season two is going to be a prequel to season one and the second half is obviously the sequel so the reason i'm doing this is it gives background into how the two universes or look guys uh, how they they're going to combine and then you'll also have the drama and the tease of the series that it's going to tie into because i am doing a pitch for season two to be a WandaVision and Loki Loki um, crossover. So Loki is going to be the villain in my um, season two. 
So, to start it off, we uh, give some background on how to how I think these two are combined, uh, because we see Loki's scepter in episode five. So he, at least, at the very least, he is known in this universe. But obviously, Loki died because of um, Thanos. But this will be the Loki who escaped uh, with the Tesseract in Endgame. Uh, and in the Loki trailer for his upcoming show, he's been captured by the Time Variance Authority, the TVA. Um, and obviously, guys, best part of that is we get Owen Wilson in the Marvel Universe. That's great. Wow. Wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> anyway, prequel episodes. So the TVA have uh, sent Loki to investigate an anomaly at Westview. Uh, as one of the prisoners, this is you know part of his responsibilities, blah, blah, blah. So... Uh, to do this, Loki infiltrates Sword and he shapeshifts uh, to disguise as an you know usually ordinary guy, and then Sword send him into Westview in a hazmat suit. Sound familiar, guys? Because that happened. Yeah, what happened with that guy after that? No one knows. It was never mentioned again. So, because Loki isn't privy to Wanda's magic, he's able to see that Vision is dead, and. Loki was obviously present then in Westview when all the shenanigans was going down. So, he's seen it all. He knows that Vision's dead. Blah, blah, blah. Sequel episodes. So, after Wanda disappears, Loki follows her. We're then back at the, to the post-credit scene where Wanda's reading through the witch lore. She hears the, her children screaming um, in the post-credit scene. If you've not seen it, guys, hashtag spoilers. Um, but she hears her children screaming, which means they are somewhere in the universe. Um, Loki comes to her and he says that the TVA have trapped her children away due to breaches in the multiverse. And he says that they also have the Mind Stone. So if she helps him take the TVA down, she can free her children and uh, get the Mind Stone to bring back Vision. Wow. Why would she not turn that down? She's, she's a grieving woman. So she accepts and they team up. And they infiltrate the TVA and they fight. Uh, whilst doing this, White Vision shows up looking for the Mind Stone and he gets in the scrap. That's always good. And then Doctor Strange turns up and tries to restore order because that's his job. And during the big fight, White Vision and Wanda have an ultimatum of saving the children or getting the Mind Stone. White Vision chooses to get the Mind Stone, which leaves Wanda to save the children. Doctor Strange then captures them and restores order and prisons Loki and Wanda. What does this mean going forward? Well, there's a post-credit scene of normal vision open his eyes, so that's exciting. And it means that Wanda can be in the Loki series as they're both imprisoned in the uh, in TVA. Thank you, Siri. So, exciting. That's my pitch. Loki will be the main... Um, bad guy but really it opens the question to is Wanda the bad guy again because she is again being a, a, a bit of a bism so guys what do you think hmm. hmm it's a it's an interesting one I I, I don't know because obviously the, the end of season one as you mentioned before she went through like the five stages of like grief and the, the last one's acceptance and she kind of had that, but she started grieving again. Well, Jack, I, I think that the reason she's going through the witch lore and reading through the whole book in the post-credit scene is, uh, in my opinion, and through a lot of 
series that I've read and videos I've watched is because she's trying to find a way to get Vision and her children back because she does say to Vision, we will see each other again during the the last episode before that they're gone. So I, I do think that she will be trying to bring them back because she she actively said that and then went through to learn that everything that's in the, the witch lore. Interesting. I, 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 I did like it, though. It was, Thank you. It was, it was, that, that was just me, 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 my, my, my only thing about it, but you, you, you answered it, so well done. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, I, I liked it too. Um, did you set Siri up to see you off there at the end? No, no, I just held my... I'm actually... I've actually got an Apple Watch, guys. I just held my, my hand too close to my mouth and I was ex- exasperating my uh, expressions on my arms. Wow. I, I don't respect know what that. you said. Respect your gesturing where we can't yeah. see you. That's, that's dedication. That's You've gained a lot of, a lot of respect for me there. Dedication. Some guy down the beach uh, waving his arms about and talking to himself in a car. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Lewis, did you have any uh, any thoughts on Visa's pitch? You know, it was a good pitch, and I, I like how Jack brings up the whole, uh, but she went through the five stages of grief thing. I'm kind of with Reese on this. I don't think she actually went through the last stage. I don't think she accepted the loss. Uh, my pitch will kind of delve into that as well, but I do have one question for Reese. You mentioned Loki being the kind of one of the key villains in this particular arc, and we've seen Loki be a villain in you know multiple Thor movies as well as the original Avengers. Are you concerned about maybe apathy towards Loki? As a character, or are you just banking on a great performance by Hiddleston again? Um, I think Tom Hiddleston or Tom Holland, whoever it is that's playing him, I think he do a great job. I'm not overly concerned because I think he's well established in the um, Marvel Universe, and I think he will bring a certain element to season two that kind of maybe needs that firepower because it's got all these great performances but will it have the the viewing maybe Loki will bring that to it so hopefully everyone agrees and loves it and votes for me for your consideration Reese's pitch um so with that Reese, would you like to take it away and shout at Jack in your car about the wheel uh, no because there's someone in the car next to me she's got a window down and I just feel like uh, ask I, her to uh, do it uh, well no I just don't think that's appropriate <laughs> Someone else can take this one. Spin that wheel. Thanks, Adam. Is it going to be? Is it going to be? Oh, Jack. Jack, it's your pitch. You're Interesting. I am quietly shitting myself after I got the idea of the pitches wrong uh, to begin with earlier on the week when we were deciding what we were doing. But I am, I am ready. As long as it's quiet. <laughs> I am ready to go. So. Obviously, as as was just mentioned with with the Reese, I was we were talking about the acceptance and the whole whole grief thing. I've taken as that she has accepted it, and we saw at the end credits of season one of WandaVision that she was doing the whole Doctor Strange thing by able to looking through all different universes, and I've taken it as she's just looking to get her kids. I think she's accept for me of how I want to take it that Vision is gone quote-unquote gone so she's found a universe where her children are in danger and this is going to lead on to the doctor strange movie with the multiverse madness stuff that's going on 
So that's going to have a big impact on what's going to happen in season two. But how I want the main narrative of season two going is that we obviously saw the two visions fight in the ending of the first season of One Division, and the the memory of Vision, Wanda's memory, obviously managed to restore all the memories of the Grey Vision, and gave Vision this remembrance of who he was, and the last the last memory he would have would be in Wakanda, of where the Mind Stone was obviously destroyed on him. So he's gone back to Wakanda to try and retrace his footsteps, trying to find who he is and who, what he was, who, what he meant to like, the world, what he meant to himself, what he meant to Avengers. But more importantly, he doesn't he hasn't realised at this point what what's happened the first season of WandaVision because obviously there's no memory of it. And he, that's him kind of retracing his steps. So the story is going to kind of follow him going through that and ultimately, it's going to get to a point where he finds Wanda again. Obviously, all the all the multiverse stuff madness is going on. Doctor Strange has been involved. But there's another movie that's coming out as well, and that's Ant-Man Quantumania. And we know from that that the main villain is going to be, well, potentially the main villain, so on like kind of next Thanos-esque type thing is Kang the Conqueror. So he's going to play a part in this TV series because he's going to be able to entrap... Wanda and the kids in this one of the multiverses and some sort of prison thing. So the goal was Vision trying to remember what he was and trying to get back to finding Wanda, to also, but also trying to have, have to deal with coming with what's happening with all this multiverse stuff. Eventually finding Wanda and the kids attempting to fix what's kind of started because she's going, not that she's going a bit rogue, but she's kind of doing things for herself still. And then ultimately we're going to find that Kang the Conqueror is kind of manipulating things. That's multiverse stuff that's going on. So that's that's where I want it to to end up going. And I want a I want a big fight at the end. I don't want a complete end fight because I do think that's going to happen in a mixed character movie. But I do want this series to play to the point that for Ant Man and Quantum Mania will probably start that Kang the Conqueror is the big badass. Obviously he's not going to be as strong and as Braun, so to speak, is what Thanos is, but he's very smart and he's able to travel through time and destroy anything like that. So that's that's what I want this to say. I want this to act as a vehicle towards a big mixed character payoff of a fight against Kang the Conqueror. I like it, Jack. I like we've got similar themes uh, in that uh, you've got Vision uh, and the, the kids and all that. I do think that Wanda. As I've said in my pitch, and I think Lewis will say in his pitch, um, that Wanda is wanting to get back with the actual vision, but if White Vision can fill that hole in her life, then then you know that'll be good. But um, I didn't know about Kang the Conqueror. It's something I'm probably going to look into after, and I'm glad there's a new Ant-Man film coming out because I enjoy the Ant-Man films. So that's good. I really like that, that you've brought them two together. So, you know, overall, Jack, if I say it's a good pitch, then I probably won't vote for you. So I won't, I won't say if I like it or not. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. The whole, my, my whole, the whole thing of it was, like, I want Vision, Vision died, and I want to keep that as Vision dying. So obviously that meant something to back then, but we do have this new Vision being with the old memories. So I want 
that kind of battle of him finding himself again and of what what he meant. So I want that kind of story to happen. I feel like that'd be quite a story to tell. Not to turn you down, but do you not think when um, Agatha says you're no more powerful than the sorcerer himself or whatever it was, she said you're no more powerful than Doctor Strange essentially, uh, and then Wanda saying to Vision that we will see each other again. Do you not think that she would want actual vision as opposed to white vision? Well, that that could be something that could happen in a season three. I wonder vision. You know, <laughs> right. This is this is something I'm 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 not trying to bring this to an end. I'm trying to keep this going. I'm trying to, as I said, I want to use this to have vehicles to something that could go bigger. And I think that series that I've potentially pitched could do that. Wonderful. More Paul Bettany. Twelve more seasons of Paul <laughs> Bettany. That's also the kind of main driver behind what I want. I really love Paul Bettany. We 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 should just have a, a someone should pitch a season where it's just Paul Bettany, all the different colours of vision, <laughs> just all chatting away at each other instead of fighting. Paul Bettany has to go undercover for Wimbledon. Paul Bettany's a Star <laughs> Wars villain. It's yeah, it goes on and on. Jack mentioned the sorry before Jack mentioned the fight between uh, Vision and White Vision, and I don't think we talked about that in the discussion. I just wanted to say that instead of them actually fighting and having it out with words, because they are obviously uh, robots that are, you know, sense more than anything. Um, I, I really thought that was really clever, as opposed to the you know the traditional Marvel battle. I thought that was really clever, and I really enjoyed that aspect of One uh, Division. That was yeah, we didn't we didn't touch on that. The same goes for how Wanda got uh, rid of Catherine Han. She kinda pulled a double whammy on it, so it was a good ending yeah. for uh, for the whole show, yeah, if only we could get more endings like that. Doctor Strange was kinda the same. Does anyone else have uh, any comments on Jack's pish pish pish? Well there you go. Jack make it votes if everyone thinks it's pish. <laughs> No, okay. no one cares. It's uh, it's that bad. Good. No, no, Jack's twentieth yeah. one. Okay. Refuse to comment. Jack, would you like to do the honors for the wheel? Of course, I can do the honors for the wheel. Should I should I say should I say in the third person? Jack, spin that wheel. Well, you've already ruined it. it was I, was, I, was, I was just going to get Lewis to do it instead. Jesus Christ. Um, it's Adam. Adam, you're up next. Thank you. Thank you. Da, 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 da. Adam like... Bukiewicz. Sorry. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, thanks. thanks. I liked... Reese, shut it. Adam, go ahead. <laughs> um, I, you know, I enjoyed the first Sorry, two sure. Yeah. And I think that Apology accepted, Reese. <laughs> right. And uh, I like. Won't fact... happen again, Chuck. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm leaving the call. How'd you leave the call? <laughs> what I like is that we've all managed to I mean, become writers for Marvel. We know what they like to do, we know that. Um, they like to tie things in. We 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 are, we are invested in the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, in the way that we are also in our pitches so far. You know, I don't want to speak of Lewis's pitch. I've not heard it yet. Uh, trying to tie in future movies and other plot lines, and mine's kind of doing that as well. Obviously, people thought that the inclusion of Quicksilver in One Division was a sign that there was going to be X Men were involved. I think that 
I would like the X-Men involved. And I want the reason I'm going to bring that about is I want Wanda exploring her origins. I want that to be what she's looking for. I know we hear about our kids, we want to hear about who she is and also the origin of her powers because we know that the the mind stone was involved, but what we actually it's what's said is that only her and her brother um survived contact with the mind stone, which is obviously a hint that they had some kind of mutant powers before, which is obviously traditionally um in the comics is that Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are mutants and their powers just are organic, shall we say. So because of that, I want to see her looking into her background and realising through her soul searching that she's not who she thinks she is. Her and her brother were not just the a boy and girl and growing up in Sokovia. They have a different father in the form of Magneto. Well, I know, it's not a surprise. He's officially their father in the comics, of course, uh, being the old X-Men villain. He was portrayed very well by Michael Fassbender in the most recent iteration of X-Men. Traditionally, very heartless, all about mutant superiority. I want to use WandaVision Season 2 as a chance to bridge into the X-Men universe, but I don't want to make it all about the X-Men. I want it to be more about Wanda's relationship with her estranged father. And I also want it to be about her relationship with her estranged half-sister, Polaris, who traditionally in the comics their roles would be reversed in the sense that Scarlet Witch is normally had an eye kept on her by Bangito and then eventually groomed to be almost a successor alongside Quicksilver but and Pol- while Polaris has to hunt Magneto down and find out and force him to admit that he's her father I want a, a, a sort of different I want it to be that Scarlet Witch is the one interacting with Polaris and trying to find a way into this family trying to find a bit more about herself and at the same time I want to have the dual narrative of White Vision who as we talked about has all the memories of previous Vision trying to be accepted by Wanda as like the new Vision this is all you're getting now I want to see Wanda having to try and become ingratiated in a society of mutants that she's not part of. She doesn't fit in. And I want to see Vision trying to step into the role. White Vision's already trying to step into the role of the normal Vision when he doesn't fit in, because he's not the same. And I think it would bring in a real good narrative of identity. And also it would bring up the themes of family, which obviously were touched upon heavily in the first season of WandaVision. And I think it tips us into tips us off to the X-Men universe, but not not too heavy. It just brings us in Magneto and Plaris, and then that can, you know, it can lead on for future films, like we've talked about already, that they like to link things together. So it's a good opportunity to start the X-Men universe, get people invested in the X-Men property, and also to find out a bit more about Wanda herself as a character and her history. And that's uh, it's pretty much all I've got to say. Very interesting. Uh, how many boner jokes will be in this uh, season? It's all boring jokes. Whoa. Awesome. You've got Great. my vote. Um, and will Michael Fassbender be playing Magneto? <laughs> Do you think he's a bit too old to be Magneto? Um, well, no, who's going to play him then? Uh, no, I don't know. I, I'd love Michael Fassbender to play him, but I think realistically, uh, because Marvel acquired the, the rights, I don't think they're going to recast a lot of the same actors. I think they would want to move in a fresh direction. Um. I don't have anyone to play Magneto right now. I think that it's a, a tough role to step into. And I think it would be a good opportunity for a, a young up-and-coming actor. Um, Maybe Tom Holland. Jack and Jack and yeah, Stewart, I, a fan of him. Yeah, Tom Holland. I think yeah, you could definitely have that duality of him playing Spider-Man <laughs> and Magneto. I don't think people well, this as well. They watch 
Malcolm in the Middle in, in WandaVision, and I'm quite sure Brian Cranston's in the Marvel Universe. Oh, so well. he obviously plays Han and the whoever. I don't know who it is, but there you go. Thanks, thank you. Um, I don't know if I like it or not. Oh, Purely because... Obviously, in the first season, we got teased that the crossover was going to happen, and then obviously we got the boner joke. And like retrospectively thinking, I'm kind of glad we didn't, because I think I would I would enjoy X Men's own thing first before the kind of eventual crossover between the two happens. I don't. Obviously, we don't we don't know when when or if one division two would happen, but I feel that as as this is your way to like introduce the X Men, I think I. I don't know. I just I would just like X Men to have its own thing first, and I'd like I'd like two kind of series finales of an X Men TV series and an MCU TV series to have a similar ending to connect something to do a kind of crossover series itself. But I, that's that's just personal. I didn't think it was a good a good pitch, but I just I don't I think I'd prefer it kind of going that way. Yeah, I know. I think you raised some good points there. I, I don't I don't want this to just be like a vehicle just for. Uh, like you know, advertising the next X Men series, I kind of want to take away. Like I always don't want the X Men themselves to be involved. I think this should just be about uh, Wanda's relationship with her father and her and her half sister. Um, just to take a second to gather my thoughts here. While you're doing that, I just I think Jack uh, does make a good point because I, I I think he's he's right in maybe saying that it would be good to have a kind of X Men series that would then lead into it as opposed to just throwing them in the deep end. But at the same time, I really liked Adam's pitch in terms of the themes of Wanda kind of finding herself, because she's kind of at a, a very vulnerable point in her life. So kind of going back, retracing your steps, finding who you are as a person, and maybe realising she's not the bad guy, because she has done some pretty bad things, but she's not actually a bad person, which was a similar theme to what I was going for in my series. So I quite like that aspect of it. Um, I don't know what you think, but yeah, I think that that, that part of your uh, pitch, Adam, was really good. Oh, thanks, Reese. Thank you. That, that, that was what I was going to say, Jack. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Reese, for coming in there. <laughs> got it for you, mate. Lewis, I, what have you got to say, I have a few, few things. Um, like Reese, I do enjoy the theme, especially the discovering of her father and maybe trying to go on through that kind of acceptance in sort of way my only issue is i also totally with jack here i would prefer if the x-men were their own film series rather than tv show and we get a sort of phase six i guess at this point team up of x-men avengers against galactus or something along those lines i would like to keep them separate as long as possible to give that delay of gratification so i guess that's maybe why i have a slight you know pull away from your pitch but my other question and maybe this is a critique as well, the storyline almost echoes the original X-Men trilogy of Phoenix and Magneto, and I'm worried about that kind of treading on. X-Men has kind of suffered and not really done well cinematically. The, the, it's not really done well, um, and I, I would worry that that would just repeat itself. I mean, Logan, as in Wolverine himself and Logan the film, did really well with this because people really liked his performance. So I'm a bit worried about that, and that's kind of my critique of your pitch, I guess. Yeah, no, I think you raised some fair points. I think it's a fair point about wanting um, the X-Men, like, that, that universe stand alone. But I would say that we've had very successful introductions. I know it's not a whole universe of different characters who we've literally discussed it in this, who've appeared through other films and then gone on to 
starting their own intellectual properties, such as Wanda and Vision. I think it could have a similar effect. I think it's a way to kind of generate people's interest in X-Men again and also get them excited for the future X-Men properties. Again, you know, I, I think there's, it's, a, it's a personal thing, want them separated, and that's fair enough. But I think it's just, a, I think this is a good potential to bring in part of the X-Men universe without, you know, revealing the whole thing. I don't think we have to go in deep. I think we can maybe point out the fact that uh, it could give us a background of mutants, it could give us an understanding of them, and then I think Scarlet Witch as uh, intellectual property within the X-Men hasn't really been used in film, and I think that it's, for me, has always been quite disappointing, and I think this is a good opportunity for them to kind of link the two up, and then it could open the door for future crossovers down the line, or maybe even a Scarlet Witch appearance in the X-Men film. Good, uh, it's a good pitch, uh, Adam. I'm, uh, I'm going to go against the grain, perhaps, and just kind of come to your aid a little bit. I like what you're saying about... Um, I kind of see where everybody's coming from. I, I agree with like all sides kind of thing, but I like that you're kind of... You're not letting Magneto touch the X-Men, and I agree with you. We've had... Basically, all of the X-Men films have had Magneto as the villain, so like so that's obviously time to end that but um maybe have him kind of be like a reverse professor x for scarlet witch and do this do that kind of uh meta commentary on that i mean just you'll know yourself adam there's tons of x-men villains that they can use like shadow king and mr sinister and everything you know these ones that i'm on about reese don't you yeah exactly but yeah like magneto could be off doing his thing with the scarlet witch and then he doesn't touch the X-Men at large. Thank you, Chuck. I'm glad you like that. I'm glad you appreciate that angle. That's all right. No worries. Um, so we've obviously only got one person left, but uh, Lewis, would you like to Would you like to spin that wheel or would you just like to jump right in? Spin that wheel! There we go. For the viewers at home, Jack's out of it sucks and there's no actual wheel here. We're just <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're all just put all imagining it. Oh my god, it's loose. Oh my goodness. Oh no. I really enjoyed that. I shit it so loud that I echoed, so I'm probably scared the shit out of the people downstairs. Anyway. Getting into my pitch for season two, and uh, I'm going to do something very, very different. My pitch for One Division is this: there is no season two. For me, One Division served its purpose of filling in the time after Endgame, explaining what happened to Wanda, and her subsequently learning of her full potential as the Scarlet Witch. Spoiler alert: uh, the end scenes set up Captain Marvel two, but also, in my opinion, could be the setup for the plot of Doctor Strange two. Marvel really leaned into the magic side of things for this show, uh, and I, as I mentioned previously, I was a bit concerned about this, both in terms of its execution as well as its general reception by the public, and both have gone off without a hitch, so this gives me hopes for a pitch. At the end of WandaVision, we see Wanda in a cabin in the mountains living her life, while Scarlet Witch, self, as an astral projection, is reading the Book of the Damned, and I guess learning about the history and abilities of magic, as well as the Scarlet Witch prophecy, and we hear her kids screaming for help setting up the motivation. So for this movie, it'll both lean into magic, Wanda's motivation for her kids, and learning magic, but also still dealing with the fallout of Endgame and the Infinity Stones. So I'm not entirely certain what the plot is for Dark Strange 2, both like in real life and for the sake of my pitch, but this is kind of why I think could happen, what I want to see happen, and I don't know, what I am proclaiming will happen. So Wanda's in a cabin reading the Book of the Damned and comes across information that could help her raise her sons. 
but it's incomplete and requires further study. Frustrated, she's reminded, she's reminded of Doctor Strange, a magic user himself, but is also well-versed and trained, and she seeks him out to gain more knowledge. Upon seeking the Doctor, it's found that he's desperately seeking the Time Stone. Wanda utilises his fanatic desire to reclaim it, protect the stone, to strike a deal for her to help him, if he teaches her magic. However, she lies about this and states it's to prevent the Scarlet Witch prophecy. She doesn't want to be the end of the world, but rather it's a secret ploy because she wants to learn how to bring her kids back. But they're still coming to terms with a loss of vision. She's desperate to save her hope, her kids. A desperate attempt to bring her back, bring them back, goes entirely wrong and brings a new magical-based evil to the Earth that she and Strange must combat. Strange trust of Wanda is completely destroyed and unsure if she can ever be trusted again. This causes Wanda to break down further, feeling even more ostracized, subsequently unleashing the power of the Scarlet Witch, defeating this new evil and threatening Strange. Strange appeals to her humanity, her kids, vision, defeating Thanos and bringing her back from the brink. After seeing what Wanda could be, Doctor Strange takes her into the Masters of the Mystical Arts to teach her. There's my pitch in its entirety. You know what? I think it's a bit of a scumbag move, but I kind of respect it. I, I respect it a lot. I like, <laughs> I like, I like that your pitch for season two is no pitch. I think it's really good because you're, you're right. Does do we actually need a season two of One Division? Who knows? But I, I, I like, I like. I certainly don't think so. I like, I like where you, you want the characters, characters to go. It's, it's like, it's, it's as itself it's served its purpose and it's gone on to something else so it's kind of done move on to the next thing so now i think that's i i i do think that's good obviously i know you said it was leading to captain marvel 2 and it's going to go with doctor strange as well but i think the ending also serves towards the defenders tv series it's coming out so there's a lot a lot of different avenues it's going to go so i do i, I do respect the scumbagness of it Lewis. well well played <laughs> lewis uh, um did you know that uh for the final scene in WandaVision where she's at that cabin um, that's the cabin from the film The Evil Dead and the director of that was one Sam Raimi who is, or Raimi I don't know how it's pronounced, who is also the director for Doctor Strange 2 so I, I have a feeling that that could be an easter egg that will tie into Doctor Strange 2 that being said I hate it Absolutely hate it. Not a chance. Never, you're never getting a ball off me. I loved this show. I desperately want a season two. So I'm not hearing that there shouldn't be a season two. Even though you gave good reasons, not having it. Well, um, Reese, unfortunately, Lewis, during my research from this, it's been confirmed there's no season two. Lewis, your picture served its purpose. Move on. <laughs> Next one. <laughs> I would... Uh... Just say if unless you want to rebook that anymore, Lewis. No, um, I would just okay. No, you don't. That's fine. I'm jumping. Uh, I would just say, do you know, maybe worry that the plot of of this is a maybe a wee bit similar to Doctor the first Doctor Strange in a way. Someone you know comes seeking uh, magic for selfish needs. Doctor Strange also wants to use it to heal his hands. Vision wants uh, Vision. Scarlet Witch wants to use it to bring her kids back, and then the, the, as a result of this, it kind of unravels. And obviously, I know that they do go in different directions. And obviously, Doctor Strange has, uh, the original has more of an ex, a, a kind of external villain and a, a different message. But do you not think that would maybe kind of turn viewers off um, just the sort of similarities of the initial plot? No. Okay, fair enough. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> there we go. Uh, I'll expand on it just for the sake of conversation. 
I don't necessarily think it will put people off. I think the WandaVision as a show has definitely propelled um, Scarlet Witch character to a new height that people will be wanting to engage with. In terms of it being a sort of like repeat of Doctor Strange, the, uh, the first one, sure, there's definitely similarities there, but there's different ways you could do it. I think uh, adding a slight emphasis on the Infinity Stones, resetting time, making sure time is uh, back to a more coherent level. Obviously, you know, Captain America in Endgame goes back and puts the stones in the back place, which should technically fix time. Maybe there's a way to explore that avenue of the time stone with Doctor Strange that could then kind of take it away from the just the sole focus on the magic part of uh, sort of personal redemption. Fair enough. Well, Lewis, that was very kind of you to expand on that for the sake of conversation on this, the podcast. Very kind of you. I'm a giving guy, you know. I may be a scumbag, but I'm a, I'm a giving scumbag. Well, only Jack called you a scumbag. I would never. But I'm not voting for you. <laughs> I, said, I never called you a scumbag. I said a scumbag move. You know, we're all prone to some scumbag moves during our times. You know what I mean? We've all, we've all pulled yeah. one bag. We've, yeah, yeah. we've all given all the money to me on Monopoly. You know, we've all done it. <laughs> <laughs> Jack's the biggest scumbag. He'll be playing Rocket League and you'll be through on goal, open net. Jack will come in, take out for no reason, and we'll both mess. And they'll be like, "What? What? I clearly had it." And he was miles behind you. Dick. And then when you then when you respawn, he'll send the ball to you as the keeper. They'll be like, "Save this." <laughs> anyway, so uh, those were our pitches. So we have uh, Reese. Uh, season two brings in Loki and Vision, looking for the Mind Stone. Uh, Wanda looking for her kids, and Doctor Strange coming to restore order. Uh, Jack, Wanda dealing with Kang the Conqueror, and Vision trying to discover who he is. Adam uh, bringing in the X Men, building up, uh, building that up with Magneto and Polaris, as well as reconciling with uh, the new Vision, and Lewis uh, with no sequel as such, but new stories with uh, Wanda and Doctor Strange. So if you guys can send me your votes uh, on which pitch you like the best uh, whilst that's going on, I'd just like to remind our listeners to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at underscore the big picture, uh, where you can send us ideas as well for shows you'd like to see and vote on for which pitches you'd like, uh, or our other polls such as what did you think of WandaVision, where 40% of you thought it was good, 25% voted flawless, 25% said you hadn't seen it, and hopefully we've given you an excuse to watch it, uh, whilst 10% thought it was just plain bad. So I'm just tallying up the votes. I've not voted yet because I was I'm, say, we're genuinely, I'm genuinely sitting here thinking I don't like any of these. <laughs> you don't like any of them? Oh dear. No, I, 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 first time it's ever happened, I don't, I, I don't like Lewis's because I want another one. I, I don't like Adam's because I agree with Jack that I want the X-Men to have their own thing and it'd be kind of brought in and I don't like Jax because I feel like he messed out on the parts of the episode or the, the way that the series led you to think that she will be going to find Vision again because she wants to be with him so I'm kind of at an impasse here so so just ask the woman next to you in the car to vote instead is driving away I said, come back I didn't have to answer. Okay, actually, she didn't go back quick enough and then she went ahead. Recent, did, you voted for yourself again. <laughs> you cannot do uh, this. Uh, okay, okay. I voted okay. for this person. But I just want to know that that vote is purely out of... It was the one I hated the least. Reese, dry your eyes, because uh, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have made a, a difference in the outcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so we have a clear winner. 
uh, in joint last place, sadly, it is Reese and Adam. The two uh, best pitchers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, so good, nobody voted for them. Uh, in second place, we have got Lewis with one vote. And in first place, a clear winner by a mile, Jack, with three votes. So our this episode's big picture winner is Jack Graham, the man who's done it all, 20 Holy for 20. Shit. He's won it. He's finally done it. We can mark that 20 off. Boots the week. Would you well, like to thank Paul Bettany for your win, Jack? Uh, well, and I, I did mention obviously that, uh, earlier on that it was going to be a double knighthood, but I can confirm it's now a triple knighthood. Back, back, back. Wimbledon <laughs> is getting a new trilogy. We're getting everything we want in life. But uh, no, no, it's 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 good to actually win an episode again. It's it's a, it's a nice feeling. Uh, I'm I'm glad that maybe as maybe what I said to you that we, maybe we probably all didn't like each other's pitches, but it's the one that we liked the least. So I'm glad that mine's hated the least out of everyone. So yeah, like, that was my entire process. I hated yours the least <laughs> because I, I I I take it doesn't matter. When's a win? When's a win? Sure, sure. End the show. We're done. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> now in retrospect, I feel like we should have all voted for Lewis's because if we can't really enjoy anyone's pitch for season two, we should just have no pitch. That's why I exactly voted for Lewis's. So, I, 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 I can I take my vote back? I want to vote for Lewis now. Can I take my vote back, please? Which vote are you taking back, Reese? The one for yourself or the one for Jack? <laughs> the one for Jack. My pitch was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, right, uh, that's pretty much all we have time for. But before we go, we'll give you just a little tease for what's coming next time on the channel. Lewis, what have they got to look forward to? Yeah, so in the next episode, we will be dealing with the next game to be remastered. So we're going all the way back in time, and uh, the guys will be bringing forth what they think should be the next biggest, best remaster for the current gen consoles. Three man two, baby. Come on, back-to-back wins. <laughs> no Jack, that's how I would have taken, I'm afraid. Uh, Reese has taken oh! B-Man too. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. Already. I've already submitted my pitch. Yeah, a few people have already submitted the pitches, so it's fair to say the guys are keen to get this debate going. So there you go. We'll see you next time. Uh, thank you to all of our panel. Thank you, Jack, our new winner. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jack. Thank I'll you. clap for you. I'll clap thank you. for you. Thank you. It's, it's, it's a good feeling. Eh? Good good job, Stuart. Good episode. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Adam. Commiserations. I thought it was a good pitch. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Stuart. I know you appreciate it. Thank you to Lewis. Lewis, I thought it was a good pitch. Thank you. It doesn't feel so special when you do it to everybody, but I'll take it anyway. <laughs> and thanks to Reese. Reese, it was a terrible pitch. You sent me four <laughs> pages uh, on, uh, of uh, information in a message. Uh, well, it's interesting that because sure, I'll just read out the message. It says, Reese, I love it. And I was like, Really? And, and, do, and that's uh, all we have time for. Thanks for listening. See I you later. Bye.